Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hi, I'm your host, Misty Little, and this is Season 4, Episode 7. We're back to spring-like temperatures here in Houston, but it's looking like the 10-day forecast suggests we're heading back towards more seasonal weather with night times in the 30s and 40s and highs in the 50s and 60s. So I'm a little disappointed about that, but I'll take the warmer temperatures while I can. To kick off the last month of 2018, my guest today is someone highly interested in peppers. It might have been through Twitter or perhaps my brother, but I came across Keely Seeds and Pepper Company four or five years ago and have been following them ever since always interested in talking with local gardeners and plant enthusiasts, I was happy when Shauna agreed to come on the podcast to talk about Peppers and her business. Located in Pearland on the south side of Houston, Peppers have become a passion for Shauna. She's taken her pepper adventure from sharing with friends and family to turning it into a business selling seeds, peppers, and pepper plants online and at local farmers markets. In the episode, we not only talk about that aspect of the business, but how she cares for and grows peppers as well as what she offers to gardeners and pepper enthusiasts. Show notes for the episode can be found at thegardenpathpodcast.com, where you can also get in touch with me and sign up for the monthly newsletter. And later this week, a special Christmas gift guide is coming out. So that would be December 3rd week of 2018, in case you're listening to this in the future. You can also find me on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast. And I did reboot my YouTube channel, so you can find me there. Just search for The Garden Path Podcast, and I have a new video up showing... Some of the native seeds I am sowing for spring. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting service and tell a garden friend about the podcast. Sharing is definitely caring, and I rely on word of mouth to get this podcast to more listeners. So thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Okay. Yeah, well, we played a email tag a lot, but I'm glad we finally pinpointed a, a time to get it to work. So I am too. It's, it's been crazy. We've had like all the end of the year sales and stuff going on and then like our AC went out. And so then it's, and then for some reason your email had gone to my, um, um, junk folder and I was, I kept checking it, you know, every couple days, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? (laughs) Actually, my, my husband said, why don't you check your junk folder? I was like, there's no way it's going to be in there. And I did. And there it was. Sure enough. Oh, he, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we got connected. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of how I, I think I found you guys on Twitter or maybe you just like searching seed companies in Texas. Like, and this has to be like several years ago. Um, and I've just been following you guys for a while and I thought, hey, it'd be nice to talk to somebody else local in Houston doing really cool things. And here we are. So <laughs> that's very cool. It's always nice to to know that whenever I put information out, like on social media, that it's actually being received. I don't really get a lot of feedback on that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I completely hear you on that because I'm the same way. So when people respond to me, I'm like, yay, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess let's get started. I mean, if you want to talk about who you are, um, who the Keerly Seeds and Pepper Company is, and where you're located. Cool. Um so we, we started out um, in, when it was just me, before I met my husband, um, as just a seed company. Um, and then it kind of graduated from there um, to people wanting plants. Because some of the seeds are hard to germinate. Mm-hmm. So then I started to offer plants, and then I expanded into urban vegetable seeds as well. Um, and we are uh, a small family urban farm so we don't have you know acres and acres of land 
and uh, we are located in Pearland, Texas. That's awesome. All right, so south side of town for people who are not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so you started on your own. How did you decide to start this? I had uh, gone to one of the local um, big garden centers, uh, and I had purchased some herbs and other things, but um, among it was a little four-pack of uh, habaneros. Mm-hmm. Uh, plants, well, you know, they have the, have the little starter packs Yeah, uh, and they weren't, they were inexpensive. It wasn't like it was uh, a giant purchase and two of those grew out to be, uh, bell pepper plants. Oh my. <laughs> and, it, it, and I mean, I ate the bell peppers. It was great, but it, it just wasn't what I paid for. And then I was like, you know, I bet, you know, cause I have gardened kind of on and off, mostly just, uh, herbs. And my next thought was, I bet I can grow these myself. And then I started doing a little bit of research. And once you get past the regular companies, um, like online, Burpee and things like that, Mm -hmm. you really start to find things that you never knew existed. And that's kind of where I ended up. I was like, what is a ghost pepper? I was like, that sounds insane. (laughs) And then I was like, I bet I can grow that. (laughs) So I got, you know, a couple different types of habanero seeds. I got um, some jalapeno seeds and then I actually got some ghost pepper seeds. And uh, I grew those out. And at the time, actually, I I was living in an apartment. So it was all on my balcony in, in pots. And so it it really just exploded from there. People were like, can I try a pepper? Do you have more seeds? And I was like, you know, I I actually ended up moving into a house. And uh, I thought if I can grow what I want to grow, we had, you know, lettuce and and, uh, squash and cucumber and stuff like that. Um, I said, I can provide this to everybody else. And then they're like, you want me to pay you for these? I mean, you know, like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then you kind of run across the, the chili head community, the people that really love this, not just the hot sauce and the salsa, but the growing, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of hobby growers. And um, it's a really great community of people. Uh, for the most part, everybody's really supportive. So Awesome. Yeah. So, so Houston, does it have a really good chili pepper community? It, it does. I think it's, it's almost more of an underground kind of thing. Uh, every year we have uh, the, uh, what is now the Texas hot sauce festival. Um, and there are you know hundreds and hundreds of people that come to that specifically for hot sauces and salsas. Um, and then there's uh we have a store off of, um, Oh, Bel Air Boulevard next to, I think it's Little Woodrow's, called Iburn. Mm. Um, and it's Houston's only independent hot sauce store. It's, it's amazing. It has gorgeous murals. And the, uh, the owners handpick. They try everything that's in the store, and they handpick what they're going to sell. Mm. Uh, and that's something that we have that not a lot of other places have. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Okay, so, yeah, you said you, you bought your house, and mm-hmm. how did you, I mean, you, you turned it from a business to, from a hobby to a business. How did you begin those steps? How did that happen? Um, I mean, from all these people, your, yeah, your friends and family being like, hey, I want some seeds and peppers, can I pay you? But then how did that evolve? Uh, a lot of research. 
you kind of had to figure out what what the licenses and regulations were in Texas. And then as soon as that's done, you just kind of take the next step. I decided that, you know, I was working full time at the time. And I said, if I can do this part time for a little extra income, that's great. And, you know, what the next step I assume for anybody wanting to do something like that is uh, starting uh, a website and Mm -hmm. getting set on uh, social media sites even if nobody follows you, at least it's out there and the information is there if they want to find it. Right. So it, it literally came down to website first. Okay. Um, and then it, mostly word of mouth as far as like marketing. Right. Uh, we, we do some uh, Facebook ads and uh, local, uh, we vend it at local shows and things like that, but you know, we just don't, as, as a small company, we just don't have the right, right. residual income yeah, coming in just to throw an ad into major newspapers and things like that. Right. Um, so how did your husband get involved? I mean, if, if, is he as involved in it as you are, or was he, is he still like the breadwinner of the family kind of sort of thing? He is. He's the breadwinner of the family. Um, I had been a uh, massage therapist part-time for about 13 years. Uh, and bartending and, and I've done, you know, director of marketing for a psychiatrist in Houston. And I've, I've done a lot of different jobs. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I actually was in a, a car accident hmm. and ended up with a bunch of herniated discs in my back. And so that really limited what I could then do. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and we talked about it and it, the next step was let's do this. Let's make this full time for me. Uh, get a, a van for farmers markets, get into farmers markets, do more festivals and really make this a focus of what I want to do, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, that's and great. He, he's involved just as much as I am in completely different ways. Right. So I'll do like orders and marketing and, and kind of the really daily grind of all of it, taking care of the plants and fulfilling, you know, all the orders and stuff. He does the heavy lifting. <laughs> so that I don't have, you know, obviously that, you know, I can't do all that. So right. I'm grateful for that. And he definitely doesn't mind. He enjoys it. Um, he enjoys trying all the peppers and the new stuff and we get plenty of hot sauce and salsa to try. And awesome. uh, he, he enjoys the people in community too. Awesome. So, I mean, I guess maybe let's talk about how you're set up, like how, what does your yard look like to be able to grow these peppers to save for seed? Um, Cause you know, I'm trolling through your website and your Instagram mm-hmm. to understand how you would save seed. And I understand it's very, um, you got to keep plants isolated and um, you know, for a home gardener, it's not necessarily as, as um, particular about that. And you know, I certainly don't keep mine isolated, <laughs> um, but for you're selling pure seed that it's very important. So maybe let's, let's run that through. What is your, what does your setup look like? Well, we have um, a, a large metal frame with, um, you, you have the, um, oh, the shade cloth, like you'll see at Lowe's, mm-hmm. they go over top, something like that. So it's, our shade cloth happens to be a 70, 30 blocking out 70% of the UV just because it, summers here are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and from then, in, I mean, in order to isolate the seeds, we will separate the plants out and obviously group them by the, the type. Um, and then with, you know, sealing wire or you know, twine or whatever is going to work, mm-hmm. um, we can drop mosquito netting down over them. Okay. And then tuck it into the bottom. 
And no isolation method, unless you are you know, in a greenhouse or, oh, you know, you bag, put a, you know, one of the little mm-hmm. breathable bags over the actual flower mm-hmm. um, is going to be 100%. But this is the best method that we have found. And it has taken, in the seven years that we've actually been like a, you know, sole proprietorship business, it has taken that long to get all of our seed varieties um, isolated because mm-hmm. we can only do so many a year. If we had more room, obviously it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. And so you're just in a typical like suburban urban type of backyard. So it's not mm-hmm. huge, but you can, you grow enough and you have enough space to be able to do this. We do. We have, um, a pretty good balance of sale plants and then uh, seed plants. And then I think next year we're going to cut down on the number of plants um, the sale plants mm-hmm. and focus a little more on some of the produce plants, produce plants, things that varieties that I know people will buy regularly. Um, shishito peppers are really popular, something culinary that mm-hmm. people can cook with. Okay. Um, they'll want cayennes, they want serranos, they want, um, oh, you know, certain types of jalapenos. And we're always going to have some leftover stuff for the super hot varieties. Right. But it's, it's whatever we can sell at the farmer's markets to, to keep people's interest and keep them coming back and uh, so that people know who we are and where they can go for what they want. Right. So you're finding more, more people are wanting just the peppers themselves, like instead of the whole plant to grow then. It's about, I mean, at the farmer's, it really depends. I and mean, it depends on the time of the year. Uh, anytime in the spring before July, yeah, I say February to July. People are, are they want those plants. Um, we sell a lot of plants. And then after that, usually harvest season, people are more interested in the peppers that they can get. And that's it's strange because even in December, we have people come out to buy plants. But hmm. our our winters are so you know warm mm-hmm. that it's certainly not surprising. Right. Yeah. And you were since you're south of town. Are you in 9B down there? Or are you still 9A? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Um, I believe it's A. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure quite where it cuts off uh, down that way, but I mean, definitely on the north side of town, I get way, way colder than even just going, you know, 10, 15 miles south of here towards the beltway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot warmer. It's surprising to me, the temperature difference from, <clears throat> let's say where we are to somewhere like, you know, Conroe and Spring. Mm-hmm. And from where we are, even to Galveston Island, you know, it can yeah. be, you know, 60 degrees on the island. It'd be 85 here. Right. Right. Definitely different. Um, okay. So maybe let's talk about, okay, you're at farmer's markets. You sell online. Um, where else are you available? Uh, here at our location. <laughs> okay. We actually have most people come out and just stop by. They can. Uh, come through, lead them through the gate, and they have their pick of what they want. A lot of times at farmer's markets, I mean, for obvious reasons, we can only bring a certain number of plants. Uh, and mo- more of the variety that we offer will be here. Uh, we have, And we've actually had people come from Louisiana and Lubbock. And oh, wow. Just to buy, a, like, they'll, and, you know, of course, they're going to buy, like, a dozen plants at a time. Right. Um, <laughs> you drive from Lubbock, you better. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, wow, you guys you drove all the way down here. And they're like, oh, yeah, we love hot stuff. I'm like, 
Cool, man. <laughs> right on. <laughs> wow. So how many how many varieties do you grow every year? Can you tell mm. or, or how do you do you change that up between like what you see is selling well? Yes, and that that's going to be where Oh, I, I try to really keep my my thumb on the pulse of where the chili head community is going to go this year, each year. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There have been years that it's, you know, give me the hottest thing you have. Give me the hottest thing you have. Last year, it started to move more toward um, culinary varieties. What can Mm -hmm. I eat regularly? What can I cook with? And even some of the hotter things, more flavor than heat. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I kind of see it moving more in keeping with that, you know, as far as what you can, you can use regularly. Uh, a lot of heirloom varieties are coming back. Right. Uh, so we will, we'll always have a variety of the really super hot peppers. And then I, this year we've done really well being able to offer um, really neat varieties of jalapenos or, you know, not just the red cayenne, but the orange and purple cayenne mm-hmm. you know, or the purple serrano or uh, a peach habanero things that you can't find in the store and some people don't even know exist. Right. Right. Now, do you have a particularly favorite pepper that you like to grow or eat? You know, I, I'm a big fan of yellow varieties of peppers. I really enjoy the citrus flavor that they have. Um, and I, I'd say one of the medium Oh, medium heat varieties is going to be a Peruvian white habanero. Hmm. And they don't get very large. They're little bullet shaped, almost like a little um, chili piquin. Mm-hmm. And it gets very bushy and it puts out a ton of peppers. And they have a, a really good habanero heat, but they're really citrusy in flavor. Um, so you can add that to uh, like a vinaigrette for salads and it's Ooh, amazing. That sounds you good. Can, um, do with put it in something like, um, oh, uh, fish tacos when mm-hmm. you, 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 you know, you dice up the cabbage and stuff like that. Um, and you know, a little bit goes a long way. You can always add more. We've, we have absolutely ruined dinner before. <laughs> I just, oh, that should be, Oh no. Add a little more. Are you sure? Yeah, that's fine. And it's, we have tears and, and it's just, <laughs> but that's dinner. So you eat it, you know? Right. right. Um, Between gulps of water and bread. <laughs> lots of milk. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And um, I really started to, I, last year I found a particular variety of habanero, I mean, uh, jalapeno that's called a farmer's market jalapeno. And they are very thick walled um, and a little bit sweet. So you have a light jalapeno flavor, a little bit of sweetness, a medium jalapeno heat. Um, and they're really good for like stuffing. You could do stuffed peppers. Mm-hmm you know, wrap it with some bacon and some cream cheese. Um, hmm. You can dice it up for, like, dice it up real fine, put it in, um, like, a chicken salad or in, even in, a, like, a baked chicken with, you know, make it with some apples and stuff it under the skin. It's Ooh, amazing. that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about pairing the apples to make it the, the sweet with the spicy. Mm-hmm. Kind of, that sounds a good. Uh, I like that. <laughs> now, is there any particular pepper you'd like to grow that you're not growing? I mean... Oh, yes. Okay. So <laughs> the only thing I've never been able to grow, and I don't know, I don't know if it's that we haven't gotten really good seed stock or if it's our climate. I'm kind of thinking that it's our climate 
are the um, ricotto peppers. Hmm. Really um, low in heat, but but flavorful. Um, I, I've <laughs> I've never had a single pepper. I've never had a single pepper. I mean, I will have them flower. I think it's the heat. I, I don't know. I, okay. I haven't done enough research into it, but that's that's it. That's going to be the next experimental uh, variety that I really kind of try and focus on. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of new varieties this year that, cause we have to really hand pick what we want to offer. There are so many uh, crosses and hybrids and quote new peppers that are coming out every year, but that doesn't mean that they're stable. Right. So, and if it's not stable, well, what good is it for me to offer it to people? Right. Um, and that being said, anything that has not been isolated, we only have a, a handful of pepper seeds on the website that have not been isolated. We've either gotten them from someone or we grew them out, but weren't able to isolate them. And it will say from non-isolated seed stock. Um, but unless it says that specifically in the description, everything else is isolated. Okay. No. Um, sorry. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm about to edit that. Um Oh my goodness. I can't believe I just completely blanked on that. It had to do with that pepper. Um, oh, I know where I was going. Now you say you don't know where that pepper, if it's the climate, do you not try to like overwinter it somehow and see if it'll bloom or fruit, you know, at a different time of climate period or, I mean, have I you did. played with that? I did last year and it, it just died. Oh, Okay. It was the first, <laughs> actually the very first thing to just die. Okay. Um, and most of the varieties, okay, so the hotter the pepper, uh, the more finicky it is, the plant. Mm. Okay. Um, so you have to kind of, what works here in our climate may not work in Michigan. You know what I mean? Right. Obviously, they'd have to bring them in, have a greenhouse. All our plants are just left outside unless it's going to be about 35 or lower. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do, you know, some polytunnel over it. We'll make sure to cover them. But they, they overwinter here really well. So how, how old are some of your plants? And if you, if, I mean, I know peppers can la- live a couple years. If yeah, you're absolutely. Well care of. Okay. We have, um, oh, probably a ghost pepper plant that's about five years old. Oh, wow. And as long as we will, you know, everything that we do here is in pots. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely grow on a balcony or. If you have a very small yard or if you're renting and they don't want you to put it in a garden, something like that. Right. Um, so we'll pull it out of the pot uh, every spring and then we will shear off an inch or two around the size of the roots. We'll put down some really good, healthy compost and stick it back in the pot. Um, and then we prune it down really well, which is really important. Um, and then we get a bunch of really healthy um, new growth that will set fruit pretty quickly. Awesome. And so I would say probably after this year, we'll probably end up starting a a new uh, plant specifically for that because you're going to get less production off the plant the older that it gets. Right. Right. Well, do you have any tips for people if they want to overwinter? I mean, what, what has worked best for you? I mean, obviously you said things for Michigan versus Houston is going to be different, Mm -hmm. but for maybe our Houston or Texas climate, um, the best way to overwinter, like you just said, is it just to just bring them in or cover them in the polytunnel? And then do you recommend like trimming off the roots and trimming it up every year or just kind of when it looks like it needs it? Um, I would trim it every spring. 
and, and make sure that, that you feed them well. Um, they're, they're pretty heavy eaters. Um, but as far as overwintering, you know, it, the plant knows that it's time to chill out. It, you know, it, 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 it is in tune with the season. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, if you do get any production, the peppers are going to be smaller uh, and you may not get anything at all. We get, sometimes we'll get a ton of jalapenos or habaneros and sometimes we get nothing. Right. Uh, and to be honest, I don't cut the plants back and I don't, I don't really feed them until spring is going to be here. Um, I, there's no reason to try and really stress the plant. It's really not going to provide for you. It's not going to produce for you. Right. I do make sure that if, you know, depending on rain and things like that, they do with a little less water than too much water. So if you, if they're not soaking, the soil is not soaking wet all the time, they're much happier. Okay. Um, so we'll add some Epsom salt. You can either toss it on top of the soil or mix it in with some water, like a gallon of water, a couple tablespoons, like two tablespoons in a gallon of water. And once a month, usually we'll go ahead and feed that and um, to the plants just so that they get some of the minerals and stuff that they're looking for. Right. But we, we really, you know, we, we don't really mess with them at all. Right. I'll go through once a week, actually, I, I will. I'll go through because of the large number of plants that we usually have. And I'll make sure that they're not, um, they don't have aphids or that they don't have any kind of bacterial leaf spot or blight or anything that wouldn't necessitate me quarantining that plant or just throwing it away completely. Right. So kind of on that topic and back kind of to the compost section, um, Mm -hmm. you're certified naturally grown. Can you talk about what that means and like maybe your, your practices for, um, for, you know, organic or, or whatnot? Sure. Um, so we had looked into becoming organic through the, uh, USDA, and it is insanely expensive <laughs> and it is, and it's not very well regulated contrary to popular belief. Um, so we, we kind of did some research and we're, we are friendly with a farm uh, in Santa Fe called Moondog Farms. Yes. I'm, I'm familiar with them. And uh, they're really cool people. And we had seen that they had become certified naturally grown. So I started doing some research on it and it's a really good alternative uh, especially for smaller farms. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a grassroots movement. It's inexpensive to join each year. You are inspected yearly, either by another grower or you can get um, oh, any kind of market inspector or, you know, professional to come out and do it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they're really looking for is that you're not using any synthetic pesticides or herbicides on the plants. So for instance, I can, I can't just go and get, you know, uh, a spray can of something with Roundup in it, you know what I mean? Right. And spray it on the plants, but I can go and get something like um, neem, neem oil, Mm -hmm. or I can mix up, you know, something for aphids like worked really well. It was a bunch of garlic and some tomato leaves um, and and spraying it on that. So as long as it is um, an organic alternative, and what we are using as far as uh, soils and composts are, are uh, natural, then we're good to go. Okay. And, uh, and is that through the state or is that on the federal level? 
Uh, neither. It's a, it's a completely independent grassroots organization. Oh, okay. Okay. When you said mm-hmm. grassroots, I thought you just kind of meant like it was taking on like a lower no, profile, but it is grassroots. Okay. It is. It's, it's something that we, I take a lot of pride in that in the fact that I would pick off a pepper or even, you know, cause every now and then when it's, when we have extra, um, we'll sell our you know cucumbers or squash or whatever it is that's seasonal that we're growing at the farmer's markets or, you know, we know some, some low income families that we just give the produce or herbs to so that they can use it. You know, mm-hmm. not everybody has access to healthy foods right? and, 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 and organic. Um, so we certainly don't mind doing that, but I can walk out there and pick anything and feel confident that it was grown the right way. Right. And that's something that I take very seriously. Awesome. And I guess and customers it, at farmers markets look like that idea too. Absolutely. Um, that, that we, it's not just that we claim, Oh, we have organic produce. It's that we put our money where our mouth is. And the interesting thing about that is that if a company will claim that their or products are organic, um, they have to follow a certain amount of rules as far as the government is concerned or they get fined. So, so we couldn't, because we make more than a certain amount each, each year, um, which is a really low number as far as they're concerned. You know, you don't have to make much. Right. Um, if we claimed we were an organic company, we could get fined and shut down. So I know a lot of people throw that around. They were, oh, all of, everything we do is organic. Well, not, <laughs> you know, and it's not like, you know, the government's going to be like, hey, this company that makes $30,000 a year, let's get them. But right. you have to be, you have to be kind of careful about what you put out there because you want it to be as truthful as possible with your customers. Right. Completely understand. Now, what other things are you growing? You say cucumbers. Do you have like a full kind of market garden you've got going or just a few things that you like to grow on the side? Um, Things that I know that we will eat. Um, We have really actually started to expand out into herb plants. So we'll bring a couple types of basil Mm-hmm. Um, to market some lime basil has been really popular. Uh, Thai basil, you know, um, maybe, you know, seasonally cilantro likes a little more cool weather. Um, some dill, some rosemary, things that I know people can cut and eat and it will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll offer those, especially the basil um, and, and rosemary pretty much all year long if we can. Um, and then, oh, this spring we did offer tomato plants, and people were very receptive to that. Mm-hmm. Mostly what we have are um, artesian tomatoes that we'll sell, mm-hmm. um, cherry tomato varieties that are really flavorful, and they, they keep producing. So that's what we've been selling. You know, we will sell some Roma, which are a determinate type, which means they only get so tall. They'll right. produce for you once, and then they're done for the season. Whereas cherry tomatoes are indeterminate, which means they just keep growing yeah, <laughs> and they keep producing. So you get several harvests from it. So that's right. kind of what we chose to do. So customers get the biggest bang for their buck. So that was really well received as well. But, you know, we've, we've had people ask for other types of vegetables or more peppers. And it, it's kind of hard to move in that direction. Um, we, we are a plant and seed company and that's, well, that's our business model. 
That's right. what we're going to continue to be. Now, if we got to where we could contract with a farm, a local farm, mm-hmm. or we decided it's worth um, worth the trouble of, of moving and getting, you know, an acre or two or something like that, then we can move into something larger and offer more. Right. So it's mostly just to kind of supplement on the side with your seeds and your plants. Absolutely. And it's, right. you know, things that we will use. And if we're going to go ahead and grow it, let's grow a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does not take many plants to produce pounds and pounds of cucumbers. You know? uh, I understand. I think I planted just a few plants this summer and I'm like, okay, I'm handing them out to my coworkers because I can't eat this many. <laughs> I'm not going to have cucumber every single day, y'all. Somebody right. needs to take it. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, do you want to talk about some challenges and successes you've encountered along the way over the years, um, like from the beginning to, or even the thing you may be challenging, uh, you right now? I would say the first couple years that I did this, the first two or three years before I actually went out and got a DBA and it was a lot of, um, trading bartering with other people for seed types or hot sauce or so it wasn't really like cash exchanging hands it's a lot of trial and error because you know you look through a bunch of gardening magazines um and and they are more focused on northern climates yes you know it's hard to find a good gardening magazine that is applicable to our climate it just really is so a lot of that's trial and error and then once we I got comfortable enough that germinating the seeds is, is consistent. I got a really good germination rate. I got, you know, everything down to, um, to work smoothly. It's you're, you're literally at the mercy of the weather. Mm-hmm. There was <laughs> about, I think it was about two years ago. Um, it was a really wet spring. It rained and it rained and it rained and it rained and, that will wash a lot of the nutrients out. But more importantly, a lot of our plants got blight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if you can try and save them, it, you know, but it, it just kept raining. And so we trashed about two-thirds of our inventory. Oh, my. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't use the soil. There's nothing in there that's going to, you know, you can sterilize the pots or you can get new pots or whatever. But, um, and each year's a little bit different. Some years it's, Summers, it's very dry. So you have to make sure that you don't overly stress the plant so that they have enough water or mm-hmm. they have enough shade um, or not too much shade so that they don't stretch out and, <laughs> right. and try and get to the light. <laughs> so it, it's, but you know, it, they're pretty much the same now. Every year's is fairly much the same. I, I've learned not to get frustrated when it rains too much or if we have to quarantine plants because they had aphids, you know? Right. Um, and we, you, if you catch it early, you can treat it. If you don't, it's almost impossible and you just have to get rid of some of it. Right. Um, and I've also learned, I really wanted to be able to provide what our customers wanted. Um, as, as much of the year as possible. And I've really come to terms with the last couple of years, uh, the seasonal gardening. Mm-hmm. If it's December, no, I'm sorry, guys, we're not going to have fresh peppers. Right. It's, you know what I mean? And, and being able to say no and not feel a little bit guilty about that, it's perfectly fine. It's not a big deal. Yes, we have plants. No, you're not going to get anything from them until the spring. Right. Um, 
And then I, I, I really kind of wanted to have answers. So a, a lot of what I do is answering emails and text messages and stuff with answers for people on what's going on with their plants. Hey, what do I use? What kind of soil? How do I treat this? What's going on with my plant? And I'm more than happy to do that. Um, a lot of companies don't do that. They'll tell you to Google it. They'll tell you to go ask your local gardening person in this, you know, section of Lowe's or whatever, but they don't answer a lot of, of questions. That's just, you buy from them and then they're done. And I right. don't really think that that's fair. I think that, that that's kind of sucky. So yeah, I was going to ask if you, if yeah. you did, oh yeah, I was going to ask if you were going to include any information when you, you know, someone bought seeds from you or a plant, yeah, it, if, if you did something like a, that. A, a, you know, a big page on how, how, this is what we do. You know, this is how we start our our seeds. This is my best suggestion for you. And it gives detailed instructions. Um, and then after that, you know, people are, are welcome to go ahead and just shoot me a text message or an email. If something weird is going on, send me pictures and I can better help diagnose what the problem is or what the plant may need. But I mean, that being said, we did start to put together some uh, seed starting kits. Uh, I mean, I, people come in and they purchase seeds and I can spend half an hour telling them where to go to all these different places to get what they need to start it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, and just invested a chunk of money and said, I'm going to start a seed starting kit so that they can buy it and they don't have to go to Lowe's, go to Home Depot, go to a gardening center, go to wherever. Right. Cause not everything's always centrally located in one place. So they can, you know, they have a, Oh, it's a reusable seed starting dome with the pellets in it. And, you know, the appropriate fertilizers and mycos and expanding soil that is a, it's, it is an organic soil. Um, and then peat pots to transplant into and the labels for the plants and all that. Um, they, and, and, you know, most of what is in there is compostable as well. Um, but that way that I can, it's easy for me to then say, here are the instructions. Here's the kit. This is how you do it. Right. <laughs> and it will do, you know, mycos or fertilizers or things like that, that that we know is, is harder for people to get if they can come here and get it while they're getting the plants that they want, that's easier for them. Right. And has that been pretty successful selling the kits? Have people really taken to that? Once they know that we have them, they actually really do. Um, and, and again, that's going to be more of a seasonal purchase. Right. People will come and buy it for, we've had a lot of, actually a lot of people come and get it for Christmas gifts. Oh yeah. That'd be good. Um, and because, uh, you know, we have the, the big seed collection so you can get a bulk of what you need cheaper and the kit. And there you go. So I know somebody that loves gardening. It doesn't have to be pepper seeds. It can be herbs. It can be vegetables, whatever. Um, and then I, I, we're, we're considering in the spring hosting a, a small class for kids or oh. trying to get involved with schools like after school activities where for, you know, just the cost of the actual pot and the seed, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that idea. Having kids that can, they can start their own little pots of herbs or whatever, trying to get them into gardening so that it's not something that's foreign. Right. So that at least they can have 
something that's easy to take care of. So they, they'll feel accomplished. It's not right. something difficult. We're not, <laughs> we're not asking them to grow orchids. It's, it's much Oh easier. my, <laughs> even, even the experienced gardeners have problems with orchids. So I, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I've never been able to keep an orchid alive and I love them. I think they're gorgeous. And I've, it's one of those things I've had to come to terms with in my life. The, uh, we lived in Florida for about eight years and, that's been the only place we've been able to grow orchids is outside <laughs> in our zone 10 garden with orchids, you know, where they work to grow. So, but yeah, indoors in my office here is a completely different situation. Absolutely. So, um, I did want to bring up something interesting. I saw on your website, um, sure. the, uh, history channel, Harry bikers episode. That was kind of cool. Can you talk about that? It was so much fun. It was so hot. It was Probably 104 degrees in the shade. <laughs> it was one of the hottest summers I've, I can remember. Um, so we we were actually, I was approached um, by James uh, Beck, from who's one of the owners of Iburn. Okay. Um, and, and at the time, he did a, oh, a little webcast that was called uh, Eat More Heat. And he approached us and said, hey, uh, this is what's going on. Do you want to be a part of this? And they were gracious enough to kind of extend a hand to say, we'd like you to be a part of this episode with us. And then I guess they cleared it with the, the show. Wow. And it was a, you know, a 12 hour day of, of taping to get, you know, the small segments that we got, but um, Bill and Paul were super cool. Um, and I'm, you know, we're still, we still chat, you know, we're friends on Facebook and stuff. And right. you know, of course they live in Brian. So, uh, it, you know, we don't really get to see each other, but, um, it, the crew was amazing and fun and it, as, as hot and sweaty as it was, it was a lot of fun to tape <laughs> and it, it was fun to watch them try because they had never tried, you know, it's fun to watch anybody try something for the first time. People have usually had habaneros, but nothing hotter. Right. There is no way for me to adequately explain the heat difference. <laughs> Between a habanero and a ghost pepper, there's not, there's not. So it's you know, I tell people just go to the top, find the hottest thing you can you can get, take a bite of it and and see how you like it. You know, everybody has a different tolerance, but I, I guarantee you that after that, you can taste something like, man, that's really hot, but it's not that hot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good way to find out what you like as far as the flavor profile of the peppers and your heat tolerance and what you really appreciate. So. Right. Yeah. When I saw him, saw them taking bites of that stuff, I was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I <sighs> can do this. <laughs> so Bill, his reaction to when he ate the ghost pepper was immediate. It was, it was awesome. I couldn't have hoped for anything better. Um, it immediately hiccups immediately. His nose started running and his eyes started to water and it, it was just, it was really satisfying for me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that was that's that was pretty good lucky for you guys to fall into place to have that happen. That was neat. It was. It was and and the like I said the people over Iburn they're they're generous people and they're they love the community and they really are a staple um in in all of this. And it was really cool of them to reach out to us. They could have reached out to someone else and brought them in. Um but they went local, you know. Right. And that that's really important. That's awesome. Well, if you want to maybe wrap up any final thoughts on, on peppers and your business and, um, you know, tell people where they can find you in person at 
what farmers markets you go to and, mm -hmm. and ordering online and all that? Um, ordering online is, is easy. We don't ship plants. Um, they just don't ship very well. And we don't have the specialty boxes that it would take, uh, you know, shipping containers that it would take and, yeah. and um, the certificates to be able to ship out of state anyway. But seeds, we can ship anywhere. Dried pepper pods, we can ship anywhere. When we have fresh pepper pods seasonally, we're happy to ship those too. Mm, you can okay. always shoot me a text message, make an appointment. That's the biggest thing to make sure if I'm out back, I'm not going to hear the doorbell. <laughs> um, and so, and we've had some people get super frustrated and I understand why. I mean, some people drive from Katy all the way out here. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm out grabbing some compost, you know, from our, uh, people over at farm dirt or, you know, I'm out running errands for the business or I'm just out maybe grocery shopping and, and they stop by, just make an appointment, schedule a time period. It doesn't have to be exact. Hey, sometime Thursday afternoon and I can be here. I can right. make sure that I'm here and I'm waiting for you. Um, stop by. And, and, you know, chill out, have some sweet tea and ask, ask questions. I'm fine with that. Um, we are um, really happy with the Galveston's own farmer's market. And that's on Sundays. Um, we have been at East End Farmer's Market before. Um, uh, and that, you know, was on Sundays, too. So we kind of went back and forth for a while, especially in the spring, to try and oh, fill needs for everybody mm -hmm. so that everybody gets, you know, the plants that they need it, you know, if they can't make it from one to the other. Um, we're trying to stick a little bit local. So Friendswood Farmer's Market is once a month, the first Saturday of each month. Um, and, and that being said, from November to February, we probably will not be at a farmer's market. Right. And, not know, the right we, season. We don't have consumables. We don't have, we don't do bread. We don't do jellies. We don't do things that people are going to want to come and get all the time. Right. Um, but for the rest of the year, even in the heat of the summer, we'll be out. Definitely. Um, we're looking into a couple other farmers markets like uh, Urban Harvest, um, maybe even Memorial mm -hmm. uh, Village. Um, we've been, you know, went there a few times um, and people are always welcome to stop by. It's, it can be a drive, but, you know, I try to be available all week and weekends as well. Um, but don't, and my biggest thing is don't be afraid to try. We have people that come every year and buy a plant because they kill it every single year <laughs> and I'm okay with that if they're okay with that right um, we have what's called a live pep, uh, plant program where people can pay each month for us to take care of their plant on our feeding schedule hmm. um, and once it's large enough and they feel like they're not just going to kill it they come and get it oh okay that's fine too I don't mind doing that um, but start with something um, even if it's just a herbs in a pot. Um, you can try something easy. Jalapenos are easy to grow. They're very acclimated to our climate. You could just throw us a handful of seeds out in the dirt and I promise you that they will sprout. <laughs> just in your backyard. It's, yep. it's so easy. Or even chili pequins. You know, they're native to Texas. Yes, yes. Um, and, then, and then work your way up. And you may want to grow it. We have people that grow super hot varieties like scorpions and ghost peppers, but they don't eat it. They just like the novelty of it. Right. So whatever you want to do is fine. And, and I can help you do that. I can help you troubleshoot and, and, um, and don't, don't think that you have to have a large piece of land. You can grow in pots. We do all of ours in pots. Our land in the back is a little bit low. Um, and about a couple inches down, we hit clay. 
Um, and to just to amend all of that would be tremendously yeah. expensive and time consuming. So there's nothing wrong with growing in pots. Right. You just have to have the, the right size pot, you know, five, seven gallon is great for just about anything. Awesome. Well, I hope a lot of people will uh, check you guys out and maybe, maybe some more people will be ordering some seeds from you for next season. It's just, you know, starting seed season is coming, coming right on up. (laughs) It really is. A lot of people, you know, you can start inside uh, in December. That's what we do. Yep. That's what I do. Give it a couple months. And they, as soon as spring hits, you know, you put it outside and it's, it's going to be ready to start to produce. So. Awesome. Well, um, thank you for, uh, coming on the podcast, talking about the company. And um, yeah, I, I'm glad I, I learned a lot too. So I'm going to be trying to <laughs> take care of my peppers a little bit better than I normally do. So, And it's really cool that you found this. I really appreciate you um, giving us the opportunity, you know? Yes. Now I love talking to uh, more Texas people and especially Houston people because there's a lack of it, I think. Absolutely. I've, I've heard from a lot of people from other states, Ohio and Nebraska, that we, we are lacking in farmer's market and uh, garden knowledge, and, and which is strange. You wouldn't think that we would in our area, but um, it's growing. It's huge. It it's really is a, a growing industry, and I'm glad to see that.